Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Welcome to the On Point Podcast. This is your host, Luke Elshoff, a first year hailing from Region 8 based in NCFCA. This is a weekly podcast where I'll have a guest on the show and cover something in speech or debate. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm joined by Zoe Abbott. This is her fourth and final year in NCFCA and has made an impact in the debating community. She has made finals three times in debate, as well as winning her first debate tournament last season. She made it to nationals last year in apologetics, impromptu, and Lincoln Douglas. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Hi. Hi. Alright. So today we're going to be talking about Lincoln Douglas case making. And um, I'm pretty sure the season is right around the corner. And we have a tournament just in a few days really so what have been maybe your struggles preparing for it or what are you looking forward to the most and which is your favorite tournament this season yeah um one of the biggest things that i definitely struggle with uh, a lot of other people do as well is definitely procrastination um yeah it, it like it normally starts off really well as soon as the resolution comes out and everything you're excited doing it um, and then it nears like the end, like when tournament season's about to start and it's like, oh gosh, I don't have anything prepared. So that's definitely the biggest struggle. Um, basically the ideas are all scattered and it's like the rush to put them all together. Um, yeah. that's definitely the biggest struggle. Um, I love the first tournament of the season. Definitely a favorite. We've got a good tournament lineup this year, at least for our region. Um, and Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tournament season as well. And um, but with that out of the way, let's get right into it and talking about case making. So first off, would you think that it's enough to have a weak case but strong cross examination and rebuttals? I'd say yes and no. Um, cross examination and rebuttals are key to being able to prove why your opponent's wrong or where you guys disagree and where the line is between the sides. But it's also important to be able to bring things to the table. I think you can have a weak um, first speech that you give as long as you're able to prove a point of what should be held higher than your opponent. Um, then I would definitely say your cross X and um, rebuttals can be stronger. Yeah. So it's definitely important to put a lot of work and effort into your case then, right? Definitely. It's important to bring good things to the table because you have to also show um, what you think is more important than your opponent's case rather than just saying what's wrong with their side. Right. That makes sense. So now let's talk about case making more specifically. So do you think that you should stick to your case once you have a case laid out and written should you stick to your case and use it as a backbone throughout the entire debate? Absolutely. It's one of the most annoying things when you're debating people and they all of a sudden switch their um, what they're arguing for in their last speech. Um, not only is it like rude to your opponent because they don't have time to be able to refute a case that you change halfway through the round, 
but it also doesn't look the best to the judges and it's like you're unsure of yourself that you're questioning what you're actually arguing for or you don't even know that altogether yeah for sure so do you think that it's even maybe even taking it out of proportion or would you say it's right to just stick to your case the entirety of the round and just argue why your side is better and not really tap into anything else that your opponent is saying is that extreme okay or should you at least have a healthy mix of it i have seen debaters do that and it's not really a debate um because rebuttaling is all about being able to respond to your opponent and that's what definitely speaks more to the judges and on their ballots um, because it's important to argue and defend your own side, but to be able to do that, you have to prove how your opponent's side fails to do that or why their reasons aren't important. So it's definitely important to have the equal balance. So bringing things to the table as well as responding to things that get brought up. For sure. And one of the things that I think is almost infamous in LD is debaters, especially novice debaters, thinking that researching for your case isn't important at all or that bringing up sources and quotes isn't important in LD. So would you say that researching is important in LD? So that's honestly a question that even experienced ones will go back and forth on. It, it really kind of depends on your own style. I've seen people that don't have much research at all and they do really good. They're good at doing analogies or um, basically hypotheticals. But I think having research is important. Maybe you're not bringing tons of examples to the table, but at least you're knowledgeable on the examples that your opponent brings up so you can point out flaws in them. I think it goes both ways in being able to argue why your side is right through examples as well as respond to why examples the opponent brings up is wrong because you're at least knowledgeable in it. Yeah. So you would recommend for everyone to have a, a good amount of time researching the resolution and researching examples and researching ways that it could apply in certain manners, right? Absolutely. Even if you're not going to bring it, it's good to just know so you have more uh, knowledge into what you're going to be facing um, throughout the year. Yeah. Is there like a good amount of time that you should be researching for LD? Because it's certainly different than TP in the amount of research that you have to actually do. So what yeah. do you think is like a good amount of time to put into researching? I can't necessarily put a limit to it. It, it kind of depends on where and what direction you're going. It's super hard in the beginning of the year because you don't know what direction people are going to go into. Um, so really creating your own cases and seeing the, the flow in which it's going and making sure you research enough on your side to defend it. And then it, it's really just a process throughout the year as you see examples get brought up or new ideas that you're like, hey, I want to check this idea out. Um, it's kind of a continual thing throughout the year. Yeah. Do you think that you should focus more on working on your debating skills and working on your case itself than researching general arguments? I think they kind of go both ways. They kind of go hand in hand, honestly. Yeah. So let's talk about evidence more now. So do you think that whenever you're in a LD round or in your LD case, when you make claims, do you think that you should have evidence and adequate examples and quotes to back up your claims? A hundred percent, yes. Um, you'll see people come up and 
um, explain that your claim isn't valid because you have nothing to back it up. Um, it's one of the biggest mistakes that people can make is they'll make an argument, but they can't prove why it's right. Um, hypotheticals only take you so far, um, but even if you don't have that, it's not good. Um, because at the end of the day, you're not the credible source um, because you're not like mm -hmm. specialized in the area of what you're debating. What about logically proving how your side is correct? Should you try to do that instead of having credible sources and evidence to back up your claims? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? I think you can do it as long as you have something to back up your claim instead of just being, uh, I believe this is right because I think this. Um, if you can prove it logically, if you can prove it philosophically, evidence, it doesn't have to be evidence because it's LD, not TP. Um, so really just anything to be able to back up your claim. Um, logic is a good idea too. Right. So let's talk about the core of the case and go kind of step by step on what's important, what's not, and tips on all of them. So one of the parts that I sometimes struggle with making my cases is finding good, solid definitions. So do you think that finding good definitions are that important to a debate round? So unpopular opinion, half the time I don't use definitions myself. Um, sometimes the resolution is pretty straightforward that you really don't need it, at least in this year. Um, I'm not running definitions. Um, it's a smart idea to have some on hand in case um, you see somebody bring a definition up that doesn't even really relate to what you're arguing because you can find very twisted ones. Um, half the time you really don't need them um, when they're not complex issues. And this year, I don't feel like it's that complicated to understand. But they're definitely yeah. hard to find. For sure. So what are some good places or good sources that you could find definitions? You don't have to like name names, but just like what are some credible sources that you should probably use for definitions? 100% don't use Wikipedia. Um, don't do <laughs> Wikipedia. Don't do Urban Dictionary. If you bring that up and around, um, you're automatically going to get docked. Um, using some different like Oh, I can't even think of the names offhand, but there's different um, like law sources you can use. Those are great sources or um, recognized uh, dictionary definitions. Um, I'm going blank on names, but as long as it's not like a, a website that nobody knows nothing about, it should be a good definition. Yeah. Do you think it's ever a good idea to perhaps have a biased definition towards your side? as your definition. 100%. I've done that so many times. Um, <laughs> you have to be able to defend it though, because if you don't have a credible source, it's going to get shot down. So if you can find a biased definition that's from a credible source, 100% go with it. Um, because it's really hard to shoot down a biased definition that's from a super credible source that's recognized worldwide. Yeah. Now, in negative, sometimes you have the option to agree to your opponent's definitions. And if that's the case, do you think it's ever a good idea to still have strong definitions on the negative side? Yeah, so sometimes if you're not running definitions per se in your actual case on negative, but say someone in affirmative brings up a super biased definition, but you have a little bit of a more mediocre one, 100% bring that up. Um, sometimes you just bring it up and are like, I agree with a lot of my opponent's definitions except for this one and this is why. But you have to have a reason 
why your um, definition should be uh, valued higher, whether it's applying more because, say, theirs is too specific, it's not covering the whole concept, or maybe your source somehow is more credible than theirs. I think it's definitely important to not let that run wild because, I mean, I know for a fact I've ran a case before based off of a biased definition that if you didn't shoot it down, it was hard to dispute my side. Yeah. So I know some people who have been running sort of definitions that they've made up, and I feel like that's kind of controversial, and um, (laughs) they're called operational definitions, or at least that's what they call them. Do you think it's a good idea or should you even run operational definitions? Um, No, I've had friends that have done that, that are experienced. Um, Personally, I wouldn't. I've gone up in rounds and been like, this is by my opponent, which wasn't any credible source. They're not an expert in this philosophy field. Um, Especially half the time, it's made in a super biased way. Unless you're generally mm-hmm. summarizing the idea up where it's completely unbiased, I would not go for it because you could be, A, humiliated in front of the judge, and B, just completely shot down based off of your credibility. Yeah. So, especially with um, this resolution, uh, it has, like, multiple words in, the, in some terms. Like, for example, the economic interest of the community, that's four words, if I can count. And does that, does that, should you have like operational definition for that or should you define every single individual term and then compile it all together? Yeah, so that's where it definitely gets super confusing. Um, You can do an operational definition if you're making it super broad. And honestly, that's probably going to make it the most simple for the round. Um, it's a hit or miss, though, because if you are going to make it biased, which people half the time end up doing even on accident, it, it doesn't go well for you. Um, but also breaking it down word by word can make it super confusing. So normally when I see something like that, I'll define each word in a sense, but then I'll summarize it based off of those definitions because it gets confusing at the end of the round for the judge and your opponent as well. Yeah, so... Kind of on that note of making your own definitions and uh, having them very biased and not credible at all, do you think that having bad definitions on either side, would you say that's bad or negative for the round? Do you think it kind of ruins the debate round? Um, I mean, I've given bad definitions for the side that I don't want to win, so you can do it. <laughs> it um yeah, of course, have it credible. If you find a credible definition that's a really like bad definition for the side you're going against, I'd go for it. Um, is it the most ethical? I mean, if it's sort um, cited online, you can go for it. Um, but you have to use it with caution because if it's completely irrelevant to the case, like I've seen people run bad definitions that have nothing to do with the, the debate round itself. Definitely don't do that because you just look like you, you just look unfair if you do that. Yeah. So do you think that sometimes if you have the right definitions, do you think that's the the factor that determines who wins the round sometimes? Um, some judges like that. This is where it's important for like judging philosophy, which is sometimes asked for in the beginning of a round. And half the time judges give their own personal opinions based on definitions. Um but half the time you'll find judges don't like anything to do with definitions and they don't want a definition battle. 
Um, for the most part, that's why I've strayed away from definitions itself. It just makes the round tiring and annoying, and it shouldn't be based off of like evidence and factual um, information, really, to begin with. Obviously, you want like an idea of what you're debating about, but outside of that, you really should drop it to just the idea behind the principles you're arguing. Yeah. So kind of kind of uh, going on to something that you said, you mentioned judging philosophy, and I know this is kind of separate from what we're talking about today, but do you think that you should always ask for judging philosophy and should you actually use it in the round? Yes, I do not like going around without ju- um, asking for judging philosophy. It's normally done by the affirmative. Um, you kind of look like a jerk if you come up and neg and ask for it when the other side hasn't. So it's good to clarify with your opponent to ask for it before the round. Um, but do not ask for it if you're not going to use it because that looks really, really bad. It looks like you don't care about what the judge just relayed to you. Um, it's also a way of being more personal with the judge of trying to tailor the round into their liking and so how you know how to go about it. Um, but definitely don't ask for it if you don't think that you can be able to fulfill what they ask for. How do you think are like some ways that you can appeal to their judging philosophy? So sometimes if they, they say that they like uh, examples or analogies, I'm not sure if that's an accurate judging philosophy that someone might say, but do you think that you should try to implement more analogies and try to curtail your side and your arguments to their philosophy? Yeah, actually analogies is one that um, some judges will ask for a lot. Some of them want more evidence, some of them want more examples, especially a lot of the moms that judge in NCFCA. Um, Another big one is being able to stay in your time constraint. it's not very hard to do when judges ask for stuff like that. It's just making sure you're aware of it yourself. So something that I always like doing when the judge asks or gives their judging philosophy is write down what they ask for so you have that in your mind and on a piece of paper in front of you so you always know and come back to, oh, I need to follow this. I need to try to add in an example into this rebuttal. Or maybe I start this one off with a quick story or make sure I end on time or a few seconds before my time um, expires. I see. That's a good point. So shifting away from definitions now, let's talk about value. And this is a a really big one, especially in Lincoln-Douglas. So um, kind of foreshadowing to that, does your value matter much? Yes, that's the entire purpose (laughs) of an LD debate. Um, TP, obviously, um, evidence. Um, But Lincoln-Douglas is you have to have a value. And the good idea to, or the best way to kind of look at a value is it's trying to find like a common ground between both sides and something that you can strive for to uphold. Because it's hard to argue two completely polar opposite ideas and not have something that they're equally trying to uphold. And that's kind of what the purpose of a value is. It's what both sides are striving to achieve. And it makes it easier to weigh out both sides. Do you think that you should strive for a value that has a very blatant conflict um you mean between both sides between both sides yeah yeah because you have to have conflict for it to be able to work so obviously you're going to want to find something that can apply to both but also where you can be able to disagree on both sides relating to it yeah and i found that in this resolution in ncfca um, there's sometimes some rounds that have very little conflict between the values. Like you can achieve the value on both sides, and that's something that 
both sides often argue but do you think that's a, a good round or should you strive to have more of a conflict to maybe have a better round or do you think that conflict rounds are good or rather than non-conflict rounds well I like being able to agree on a value that applies to both sides. And oftentimes I'll run cases even that my negative and my affirmative both have the same value. But it really boils down to, of okay, you have to be able to have the backing to prove that your side achieves the value better. Um, it's great to find common ground. Um, the biggest mistake with Lincoln Douglas is both go, both sides go in trying to just attack each other when it's really trying to find this balance between both sides of seeing the positives and the negatives on both sides. Um, but taking the value into consideration, it, 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 it needs to be able to have common ground, but you have to be able to provide conflict as well. Otherwise, you're, you're going to kind of have a bland round. Yeah, and it's not really a debate if there's no conflict. That's the whole the right. whole premise of a debate. <laughs> so some people may sometimes struggle finding a good value or just having a general hard time finding one. So what do you think are some good tips on finding a good value and maybe some good values you like? Yeah, so definitely to find a good value, understanding the resolution. Um, looking at the terms that are being debated in the resolution first helps you be able to find a good value. But one of the biggest things is being able to find a value you're passionate about. Um, it's easy to write a case and adapt values that other people use that you think sound like a good idea. But if you're not passionate and understanding your value enough, it's not going to be portrayed that well in the round either. Yeah. And understanding your resolution also comes with uh, researching, like we talked yeah. about earlier. <laughs> yep. So that's that's also very Im another reason why it's important to research. Right. And you also mentioned finding a value that you're you're passionate about. So how do you think that you can be passionate about a value on a side that completely goes against your personal beliefs? Yeah, so that's where Lincoln Douglas can get a hit or miss. And normally people tell you that there's one side that you're always going to value higher than others. But it's really just a matter of exploring it deep enough. If you find that there's this one side that you completely hate, maybe you need to explore a different aspect or different take on that side. Um, really being able to find a value that you believe in as an idea is a good um, like end goal. Find a way that, okay, I need to get this side to try to prove it because this is what I'm passionate about or this is what I believe in. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that does make sense. So even if it's a side that you don't have, you don't really agree with on a larger scale, you could still find something that aligns with your beliefs i guess and try to fit that and cram that into that side yeah sort of i mean i know this, actually this is kind of funny this is so this is my fourth uh different resolution and honestly throughout all of them i can't genuinely say there's been a side that i've always been more biased to um when you do enough research and understanding the benefits and the costs of both sides you'll begin to see value in both of the sides and become passionate in those areas to argue those sides um i'd argue if you're strongly on one side and hate the other well first of all you're not going to debate that round as good because you won't be as passionate and it shows mm -hmm. but second i'd also argue you haven't done enough research to fully understand the benefits of the other side as well i think you should have a 
a sort of an equal balance of how you view both sides. Sometimes there obviously will be ones where you're like, oh, I agree with this a little more. But it should be a constant battle between, no, I like this side on this part of this side, but no, this part on this side is also good. And kind of a back and forth. Yeah. So it all sort of boils down to research once again. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So I was kind of wondering because one person told me about structuring for your case. And they told me that a good way to do it is implementing the three modes of persuasion throughout, which is logos, ethos, and pathos, and using those throughout the round. And would you say that's a good idea in your case? Absolutely. Um, Being able to apply to both sides. Um, Every person has a tendency to lean more toward one of those three than the other. So it's super important to be able to incorporate all of them so you can be able to relate to whatever tendency that that person leans toward. So say your judge is more of a pathos speaker or, or a logos you want to be able to have aspects of that throughout your round um, that you can be able to target so it impacts them more. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or just want to keep up to date, you can follow my Instagram at onpointpodcast underscore. Again, that's onpointpodcast underscore. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next one.